It's a great privilege to share this interview with my predecessor, the former director of Bible Tracks Incorporated, Pastor Mark Smith. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. God bless and continue listening. Welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Mike McCurry, your host, and with me, I have my predecessor, the gentleman whose shoes, big shoes, I have now to fill here for the last nine months at Bible Tracks Incorporated. I'm here with Mark Smith, Pastor Mark Smith. For those that might not be familiar with who you are, would you mind for the next few moments giving us a brief rundown and synopsis of your life and maybe getting into your salvation testimony as well? I, I kept waiting, Brother Micah, for you to introduce me as the uh, former good-looking uh, director, <laughs> but you didn't do that, but I'll let I that apologize. go. <laughs> I apologize. I <laughs> apologize. Uh, no, I am Mark Smith. I uh, entered the pastoral ministry uh, at back in 1975. Uh, I did a couple of years as a youth pastor and began uh, pastoring in New York State and then in Florida uh, and then uh, went to... Uh, Joined the, the ministry there at Bible Tracks back in 2004, and God allowed us to serve there until he put the, uh, the hankering back in my soul to get back into the pastorate. You, my friend, you have uh, the calling of God as an evangelist. God has equipped you to be that. Uh, I'm a pastor. You, you know well that the Apostle Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And for sure. almost 16 years, God allowed me to do that there as part of the ministry of Bible tracts. But uh, my skill set uh, needed to get back into the pastorate. And God was gracious to allow me to end uh, my ministry um, years. Uh, so we are in uh, the northwest Pennsylvania, uh, pastoring a small church, uh, just enjoying ourselves immensely. Praise the Lord. So greatly appreciate the biblicality that you approach things with. It's, it's so funny how the practical things always seem to line up with the biblical things. It just works out that way. And You'd so, almost think you're somebody in charge, wouldn't you? Yeah, right, exactly. It's someone <laughs> ordering all of this. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I really want to get into the legacy of BTI and all of those things. But in okay. short, something that's kind of been not eating at me, but a question I do want to ask as it popped to mind you have about you a great desire to invest in the next generation, invest in men. And that's actually something you brought to the forefront during your time at Bible Tracks. Talk to me, if you would, about, of course, the importance of investing in men, investing in the next generation. But what kind of lights that fire for you and really brings that? And, and when are you happiest when you're doing that sort of thing? Um, why, is, why is establishing the next generation of men so critical? because everything rises and falls in the economy of God on men being leaders, leaders in their homes, uh, leaders in their church, leaders in their nation. Glory to God uh, for the work, uh, godly, powerful work of women. Just last Sunday night, we dealt with uh, the status of women in God's economy Amen. and what Christ, how Christ elevated them. But there are places in the Word of God where it says that pastors, deacons, uh, these leaders have to be men, but they don't just happen happenstance. Jesus focused on men. And if you and I are going to pattern ourselves after the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have to invest in men. 
And so we began doing that uh, back in my first church, doing one-on-one men's discipleship. And uh, you ask, when am I happiest? Probably it's a toss-up between uh, standing in the pulpit preaching to people (laughs) or sitting across the table one-on-one with a man going over the discipleship material and just watching this guy grow and uh, flourish. Uh, Usually the first person that notices his growth is his wife. And when you have a wife come with tears in her eyes saying, for the first time, my husband is the spiritual leader in our home, that, my friend, will just put a light of fire in your soul right there. So absolutely. That and a short short answer as quickly as I can. Sure. That's, that's my passion right there. Absolutely. Had the opportunity not, not long ago to preach in a church you're very fam- familiar with, yeah. Faith Independent Baptist up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Had a young man come forward and accept Christ, and he, he recognized some of the failures of his life. A young man, actually my age, and it was so amazing to see the tears of joy shed by him uh, yeah. And by his wife as she held their little son, yeah. and to know that now he can take his rightful place and God given place. And yeah. so you have some some fun things, and we don't have to get too deep into it. Uh, and we'll, we'll of course cut this interview here and there and, and and extend it over the next few days. But you have an opportunity here to teach some uh, a man how to preach. I think there in your neck of the woods, and very excited about how the Lord's opened some doors. If you can speak to that, if not, we can cut it. But what are you anything there? Oh, yeah, there, uh, we have, we stepped into a situation of a local church that we met over my years of ministry at Bible Tracks, and in the process of time, the church got damaged, and uh, they were looking for a uh, new, younger man to step into the ministry. I was praying for them. I was trying to be an encouragement for them, but in the process, I uh, raised my hand and said, would you consider an old guy? <laughs> and they did. Uh, but there are some solid men here. I, I now have three men in my small church that if I were to uh, uh, have a heart attack Sunday morning, there are three men that I could have huge confidence. They could step into the pulpit and preach a solid Bible message, Praise practically uh, just to make it practical and the people be blessed and uh, watching men. And none of these are young. Well, one is uh, one is about 40, and uh, so he's young compared to my age, but and uh, your age, 40, 40 is a ways away <laughs> yet, brother. <laughs> yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I so, I so greatly appreciate even the short amount of crossover that you and I had, yeah. and even now, the, the attention you paid to investing in me and trying to prepare me and, and iron out some things. Yes, it was talking about the ministry of Bible tracts and all of those, but just your concern for me personally. I always greatly appreciated that, and I think it stood me in good stead as we face the future and, and having that mindset about other people and realizing that it, it's you have an unselfish mindset, if I can put it that way. I greatly appreciate that. And it's well, been a great blessing to But let me, let me flip the coin and do this. Uh, as we were praying, I was the, the board of Bible Tracks is praying about the next director. God brings you in and uh, uh, you're 27, 28 years of age when I first meet you. And I left that first inter, uh, time to be with you. And I went home and told my wife, I, and I said, sweetheart, uh, just so that God could remind me that he doesn't need me, 
I can be replaced by a 28 year old. <laughs> and she looked at me with that wry wifely smile and said, we can all be replaced. And brother Micah, it was, it was healthy for me to know that, um, all the things that God has allowed me to do, I'm just a, I'm just a, a tooth in the, in the wheel of God's mm. thing. And God's got other uh, people in, in the wings ready until he comes uh, to take care of the ministry of, uh, of the gospel and discipling people and running ministries and so on. So God used you to remind me and say, you know, <laughs> Brother Mark, uh, I, I resist proud people. Uh, but I give grace to humble people. Let me help humble you by reminding you that you can be replaced by a 28-year-old young man. <laughs> that was, frankly, Micah, that was good for me. That was Praise good for Lord. me. Praise the Lord. Well, that, that will be, in, as a wise man said, learn from the mistakes of others. I will do my best to learn that and, and apply it time and again. And as Paul said, I die daily. So often we can think oh, I am God, yeah. I am God's gift to Bible tracts, to the, the will of you know God and for this time. And it's so not the case. And yeah. so the opportunity to hopefully be reminded of that. So let's yeah. talk about the legacy of Bible tracts. Yeah. You coming in in 2004 and Paul mm -hmm. Levine had passed away previous to that, but not that long ago at that point yeah, 96 about, sure and talk about your perception of bible tracks maybe coming in maybe you were more familiar with it than i was when i first got the call and said uh, that said hey there's this position of bible tracks maybe you should look into it and of course we know where that led but right. i'll be honest with you i had no clue who paul levine was or bible right. tracks and i was saddened by that and so i try my best often to mention his name on the radio but where were you eight years after his death what was your memory of Paul Levine, if you had any? Well, I never met Dr. Paul Levine. And I had used the tracks in our church ministry. And uh, the last church I pastored before coming to Bible Tracks, we had a large gospel tract center. And, and the man who was the chairman of the board uh, came to the church. He saw this uh, track display and he said, I, I guess the people here believe in tracks. <laughs> we began to talk and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, but I had used tracks with Dr. Paul Levine's name on them, but that was it. I'd never heard him preach and all that kind of thing. So as God brought me there, I was hired to come in and continue the legacy of Paul Levine. And uh, we came. And so the first thing I did, I found all the cassette tapes, and we had a bunch of them that had messages of Paul Levine. I, had, I wanted to find out what made this man tick. I heard messages that he preached in local churches and messages that he preached at the Bill Rice Ranch and, and so mm -hmm. on. I found out this the passion of this man uh, was was just ran hot to see uh, people, particularly young people, teenagers, uh, come to Christ, be strong in the faith, and and uh, uh, be faithful to God uh, from early age onward. And as I got to know him through his preaching and reading the materials that we had of him and so on, I said, man, oh man, I have, I have huge shoes. He, he was called the Dean of Evangelist in the Midwest. He mm -hmm. was just thousands, literally thousands of people came to Christ under his ministry. I knew my gift was pastoral, but I had to do the work of an evangelist and the bar was set amazingly high. And so I said, okay, I can't be Bolivine. 
I have to be Mark Smith, but how do I keep the, the passion of his life for evangelism, seeing people uh, come to Christ, walk with Christ, grow in Christ? How can I do that? And so that was what I saw as my passion, my, my, my job, my task uh, as I started the ministry there in uh, 2004. So. Absolutely. We'll get into the practical application of tracks because people always love to hear. And, and oh. even now, I still get people that talk about how the, one little thing that you said back in the day on the radio program <laughs> has been the difference for them. And then we try, we continue kind of a track and truth Tuesday and go beyond the track yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But talk about the fact that, and in my knowledge, I, the amount of people I've met that so fondly recall Paul Levine's name. It's almost like a Joseph complex where yeah. I have yet to hear an ill word about it. And you know yeah. this to be true. I, I don't even say this sarcastically, but us Christian brethren have no problem talking about people, especially when they're not in the room or passed away. <laughs> and yet, and yet for Paul Levine, it seems to be the exact opposite. And, and I, I know during your time frame, you would have even been around more people that were alive right. and really influenced by his ministry. Right. But talk about that influence of positivity, but for the gospel's sake that he had. Paul Levine had a winsomeness about him. Uh, you could hear that in his sermons, but in, like you say, the people that I met, the winsomeness with which he would uh, come alongside of, frankly, total strangers, and in about two minutes, you, they, they thought they'd known him forever, and he had this ability to look them in the eye, speak truth with a with a, 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 a smile, a little smile on the corner of his lips, so that I, that was kind of his ability to put, to speak the truth and love, and just what he spoke zeroed into the heart of people like a dagger. The word of God is quick and powerful, isn't it? And uh, he just had that ability. I heard story after story of him even going to a, uh, a, a county fair and he would be there and he would talk to somebody at uh, the hot dog stand or whatever. The next thing you know, they're over to the side. He's sharing with them the gospel. And um, he had an ability to get into the gospel with people that had, he had honed that skill uh, over decades of his life. Uh, but let me, let me just say this before we don't. His dear wife, Dorothy, they never had any children. She, uh, she was the staff when Bible tracts began, but her prayer life for her husband was dynamic. Hmm. She maintained his soul before the throne of grace. And he, uh, I've heard him say a couple of times uh, in, uh, in sermons about her role and making him into the man of God and giving him the power that uh, God uh, that you saw in his ministry that his wife was the underpinning of that. We need to say that about Dorothy. We do. Absolutely. And so greatly appreciate. And that's something that from my perspective, so many years removed that we don't even get yeah. to see. No. And no. I really do believe, and we're speaking about the, the current right now, but something that has really been impressed upon me is the need for prayer. And, oh. and, it, and it's something that for those that are listening right now, if the Lord leads you to, to financially support Bible tracks, fantastic. There's many ways you can do that. And the, at the end of the program, the announcer will tell you all about how you can contact us. But in reality, 
something that everybody can do, regardless of your financial worth and all of that is you can pray. And it's amazing to see the few times, and I say few to my own shame, but the few times that I've really put an emphasis both personally, and if I can say this professionally, meaning in ministry (laughs) on prayer, it's amazing to see what God does when we actually rely upon him. And this is not some cliche. Yes, we'd love your financial support, but more than that, we truly need your prayer support and to see a man like Paul Levine, the impact he made and his legacy has lived on. Could we make the, the case? And I think we could that the reason Bible Tracks continues on, and you know so many ministries falter and fail after the first generation passes right. off the scene, and how much is to be owed to Miss Dorothy and her vital prayer support as a prayer warrior, yeah. and so yeah. so greatly appreciate you bringing that to light. It's yeah. of, of vital importance. Now, let's talk about the practical application of tracks, because this is something I am trying my best to be a little bit more of an imitation of you on, because you yourself have the ability to kind of approach a situation, seem to assess it in a microsecond, and just pull out the right ammunition and just somehow insert a track into someone's, you know, their hand, but also their heart and mind with the intention of actually reading it. So talk, if you would, to a beginner, someone that has never ordered a sample packet of ours that they can, of course, get, uh, parenthetically, BibleTracksInc.org. But for someone that's never used a gospel track in their life, where would you tell them to begin? All right. You, you, you've already said something uh, important. Get the sample packet, because not every person is going to uh, um, see how every single track is going to fit them. You're going to find out probably three, four, five tracks are going to really become ones that you like to use. Okay, that's fine. That's a personal thing. But then read the track, know what they say, and know the kind of person they're going to uh, connect with. And then I would say to um, a, a brand new person, the uh, go to somebody in their church and uh, just walk up to them that they already know they're good friends with and just say to them, I'm going to practice on you. And uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, and for right now you're unsaved and I'm going to give you a gospel track. And so I'm going to practice on you and then say this, don't make it hard on me, (laughs) (laughs) but let's, let's, uh, uh, let's bolster one another Mm -hmm. because here's what's going to happen. You're going to practice your skill set and using tracks is going to begin to get better. But that other person's going to say, wow, somebody is wanting to share the gospel. You may be pricking an interest in their heart. You're going to stir uh, your local church's uh, heartbeat for lost people. Uh, and you're, that's not your plan, but it's amazing how God uses things like that. So I would start that way. Then if you have a, uh, a friend where you work that's a believer, do the same thing with them. But then, uh, just uh, with that being done, begin to set a goal and say, okay, I'm going to the grocery store today. I'm going to Walmart, going to whatever grocery store or or store you're going to. I'm going to hand this track to the clerk I'm going to meet and just say, thank you for your service for me today. I want to give you a gift. This has really blessed my life. Just give it to them and walk away. To start, that is a simple way to start. It's not real confrontive at all. Some people worry about that, but that initial steps will go a long way to getting you over the initial fear factor of giving to somebody the gospel track. 
Amen. And there's so many amazing stories of tracks just finding their way into the right oh, hands. And yeah. it's just our job to throw the seed out there. Yes, can we be deft? Can we be uh, uh, skilled about this, uh, this uh, as ability of passing out tracks? Absolutely. But yeah. can I tell you, I believe, I truly believe that God will bless you just for doing it. Start off. It, it will feel awkward, absolutely, at the beginning, but it's so worth the, the minuscule effort, really, that it is. And, and I, I was talking to a gentleman, Pastor Joey Watt, the chairman of the board, stopped by to pick up some tracks the other day. And he brought with him a man that witnesses at the bus stations and things like yes. that very often. Yeah, I know and you know what I'm talking about. And I said, so what, I said, all right, break it down for me, brother. He's, this man's, I think, 76 or thereabouts. Yeah. And I talked to him. I said, break it down. What's the secret? He said, well, he thought about it for a moment. He said, well, I just have tracks with me. And then I yeah. pass them out. And I was like, that's absolutely mind-blowing, isn't it? <laughs> Just the idea of if you have them with you, you're far more likely. And how often do I, to my shame, I walk into a business or something and I didn't put them, I, I don't have them on me. And I feel almost naked without them. And, I, and you think the Holy Spirit's telling me I, I need to yeah. give. And so you run back out to the car and you grab one. Right. But if, they, they're, if they're not in your car, if they're not in your suit coat, if, they're not, if you don't have them, you can never use them. And so that great advice for just beginning. So we've well, talked then. about, go ahead. You know, that that uh, when we came here to this church, they were not, they had a track rack, but like a lot of churches, it was not being utilized much. So we began to encourage people to do that. And um, uh, we left a uh, an outdoor service. Um, we have a camp property. We had an outdoor service. And just to sanctify it, we cooked hot dogs afterwards. But <laughs> as I'm walking back, putting things into my car, here are two ladies in my church and they yell over across the way, Pastor, do you have any tracks? I said, yes. And they, I said, uh, what do you need? He said, well, and these two ladies were challenging each other to become accountable that before next Wednesday night, each of them was going to give out a gospel track and come back and share with the other lady where it was, who they gave it to, and so on. Becoming accountable spiritual growth, a lot of it is me being accountable to some other believer, men with men, women with women, that I'm going to, I'm going to memorize scripture. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to give out the gospel track and so on. Becoming accountable is a huge help to say, I better do this because somebody's going to be asking me. So that is a huge factor in also stirring us to begin to do the work of giving the gospel tracks. Absolutely. And yeah. I've offered this before, but I'd like to right now, after you've heard this, if maybe it, it almost the overcoming the fear of even talking to your friend at church or whatever, if I can be the faceless guy from the radio that you become in some way accountable, I'd love to be an accountability partner with anyone that's out there. You can actually, this is my actual text number. I'll give it to you right now. It's 309-316-7240. 309-316-7240. If you would, text me and tell me, here's what I want to do. I feel the Lord impressing upon my heart that I need to give out, let's arbitrary number, three tracks this week. Well, that's a phenomenal goal, especially if last week you gave out zero tracks. And so let's start there. And I would love to follow up with you. I would love to be that for you. But I will say this, then you can become that for somebody else. Once it becomes old hat for you, then you help others with it as well. So we've talked about the, the legacy of Bible tracks, but let's talk about your tenure. 15 years at the helm of Bible tracks. What are some of the, the, the best memories that you have of that time and some of the things that, 
that through the Lord's power, of course, that you're most proud of being able to be a part of during that time here at Bible Tracks for you? The, uh, we stepped into the ministry. The ministry had been without a director for four years. The chairman of the board at that point in time, Claire Sailors, who's now gone to be with the Lord. He tried I'll, I'll, a point right there for just a moment. I've had the chance to talk to his wife on two right. or three occasions recently. And yes. just a great saint of God and so appreciative yeah. of the opportunity. But just being able to connect some of those dots are fantastic. But my, I apologize. Keep going. No. And, and uh, so, but they, he could not do uh, the work of putting in to uh, the, the day-to-day. So we stepped in. Uh, uh, one thing I inherited was the fact that since there had been no director, they, they said, hey, do this, run this. Um, and they gave me rather carte blanche to do what I wanted and declare, he and I would talk once a week, but I just said, guys, the ministry is not healthy financially leave me alone, let me begin to do some things. And they did. They, they, they gave me, they trusted me. Uh, they prayed like crazy for me, but they trusted me. And uh, um, I know that within the first six months, I was in 40 churches and uh, that had been a missed connection there. Since there was no direction, uh, no direct door, uh, there was no presentation of the ministry. And uh, when I came, they were still using the old slide method. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew it was outdated, but it was all we had. But you know, I have a saying that some people don't like, uh, but I use it all the time. God looks out for little kids and fools, and I hadn't been a little kid in a long time. And so we just began to, to do, uh, but uh, what getting into local churches and seeing what was happening, what was not happening, uh, meeting pastors, small and large churches with a passion, sometimes, frankly, meeting pastors who lacked a vision. They, they had kind of gotten into a routine and to be able to go in and either stoke the fire of the passion that was already there for the gospel work or to come alongside a pastor and help raise his sights to say uh, things like, man, let me tell you what I would do if I, just based upon what I see about your, your city here, what I see opportunities, and all of a sudden you see a light come into the pastor's eyes, and he says, yeah, we, we could do that. And uh, to, want to see local church people and, and church leaders their eyes light up with the fact that God can still use them um, to do gospel work in their locale. Uh, the other thing that was to, I had the, got to be in camps uh, and um, I, I've been preaching in camps to eight to 11 year olds primarily for over 30 years. Well, coming to Bible tracks, I got to do it more than just one week in the year. I go doing four and five and six weeks during the summer. And I discovered, Brother Micah, that uh, there's another generation coming behind us that will listen to the Word of God, that will respond to the Word of God, whose hearts are moldable for the Word of God, who can be called by the word, by by God for ministry, even at that age. I, I sensed God's call on my life when I was nine and 10 years of age. I got the same God still right. working in the lives of kids. And it, it, it encouraged my soul that God, pardon the, pardon the bad English, God ain't done 
with the, uh, America, God ain't done calling young men to preach the word of God and young ladies to serve alongside of them to see the gospel flourish until he comes. That just was, a, so, that was just encouraging like crazy for me. Absolutely. And I will we'll tag that with this. 2004 to 2020, we still serve the same God, had the opportunity to preach this Saturday to a group of 125 teenagers. And they mm. sat through three messages in the span of five hours. And there were some games and things mixed sure. in. But during the preaching time, they were just as, if not more attentive than, than, than they were during the game time. And to realize that God ain't done. And he still has the opportunity. And until he comes back, we have a lot of work to do. I, I made this note. It's going to be in the, the opening segment, I think, of the, the next newsletter coming out that people talk, and even now, of course, about when the Lord's coming back. And they try to assign right. a, a rough date and all these things. Can I tell you, friend, it doesn't matter if it's tomorrow, next year, or a thousand years, we have plenty of work to do. So I would stop worrying about that and worry about who you're going to give the next gospel track to. There's yeah. so much to be done. Yeah, there's um, the phrase that Jesus said, um, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? And often we think of that and we, in our churches about, will he find people uh, who believe? But uh, maybe we as gospel tellers ought to be telling each other, when Jesus comes, will he find people who have faith that the gospel still works? We find those kind of people when he comes. And we dare not ever lose sight that the gospel works. One of the phrases I often said is that the power of the gospel is in the word and not in the worker. And that's why I can put the, a track in the hand of a nine-year-old young boy or girl. They can go share the gospel because the power of the gospel is in the word of God, not in the worker of God. Let's be clean uh, uh, in our walk with God. Let's be holy in our walk with God. Let's be right with God in our personal relationship with him to be the most effective tool. But the power is in the word of God. I will give you the credit then for the message that has kind of been burning a hole in my heart for the last little while. I actually preached it there on Saturday to the teens. But if you look at 1 Kings 17, Elijah, and you progress through 1 Kings 18, he calls down fire from heaven, a 60-something yep. word prayer. And at the end, tail end of verse, chapter 18, the Bible talks about the hand of the Lord being upon him. Well, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. If you go back to 1 Kings 17, about six, seven, eight times, the word of the Lord comes to him. And what does he do? He does exactly what the word of the yep. Lord says. And somehow uh, a barrel of meal doesn't waste and a cruise of oil uh, comes, comes through that. And then a child is raised to life and he's the first uh, a missionary to the Gentiles, the widow of Zarephath. And then you get into chapter 18. And then, and where I find myself so often, 1 Kings 19 happens and he runs from Jezebel and her decree of destruction. And so what do we have now but a lack of the word of the Lord? You don't find the word right. of the Lord in first Kings 19. And so often when I find myself failing, it's because I'm not anchored or I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm anchored on myself and not. And so that second of the core values of Bible tracks, we still use them, still mention them extensively because I believe they're so very true. And the power of the God, the gospel being in the word and not the worker is so very true. I'd like to talk about some track stories for just a moment, because these are, are always so appealing to me. And I make mention of them almost an average of one every single broadcast. And I so appreciate them. 
but uh, this is giving you time to think of maybe your best one or two. But I know for me, they're so inspiring. I heard one that we may mention in just a moment, uh, brother Mike Duffy, who I believe was part of the leadership of Bible tracks back in the day, mentioned some, uh, a message in a bottle and the romance of a message in a bottle. And you may have heard this one. We'll get to that in just a moment, but thinking back on your time, either personally or one you heard as a result of being a part of Bible Tracks, what's a track story that just jumps out at you uh, right now? The, uh, there's a track that um, uh, is part of Bible Tracks uh, that is uh, a tribute to mother. Mm-hmm. I did not write, Paul Levine wrote that one about his own mother. She never did learn to speak English. She spoke Swedish all her life and, uh, and things, but um, he wrote that. And honestly, Brother Micah, it was not my most favorite track to use. I would use it, especially around Mother's Day and so on. Uh, but uh, maybe it's just because I'm a man, but a tribute to Mother. All right. And, but I'd have it with me. And uh, uh, I did this on many occasions. But one time uh, I was in a restaurant traveling, stopping for a meal, heading someplace to preach. And uh, there was a group of ladies there. They all had red hats on and uh, meeting together. And and as I went by their table, I did my typical thing. I stopped, put my nose in the air and sniffed. And I, I, of course, by that got their attention and they looked at me kind of funny. And I said, "Uh, you ladies smell like mothers. And uh, they laughed, of course. And I said, maybe even grandmothers. And of course they giggled again and broke the ice. And I said, I had the greatest mother in the world, but she's in heaven now. And uh, could I give you a gift in, in light of the fact that, uh, uh, that my mother is here? I can't give my mother any gifts. Can I give you a gift? And, and because my mother is not here to give her a gift to. And that kind of perked their interest. And I gave, uh, uh, I had two of them. There's six or seven ladies, so I couldn't give one to each of them. I gave two of the, these tracks, a tribute to mother. And they'd be watching these red hat lady fighting over these <laughs> tracks. But I, I went to leave and um, uh, I uh, talked to the, the cashier. One of the ladies came up holding the track, tears coming down her eyes. And she goes, who are you? And I just said, I'm Mark Smith. I'm, uh, you know, and, and she goes, uh, you must be a preacher. And I said, yeah, I am. I, I, I'm guilty. And, and she, she said, I received Christ as my savior years ago, and but I have not been living for Christ. And um, these ladies around here at my table have never heard the gospel before. And today you gave them the gospel. And, sh- and this lady said, I'm ashamed to say I did not. But as she said, and I, this, this is a direct quote, as God is my witness, they will hear the gospel from me from this day forward. That, Brother Micah, uh, it wasn't the story of somebody coming to Christ, but um, there is a great uh, uh, man who's now in heaven, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy, who said it's more important to make a soul winner than to be a soul winner. And his point in that was this, is that if you make somebody a soul winner, then you've just doubled your crew of gospel workers. So and, nice. and so she became, and it was the impact of a track geared for honoring mothers and that, as well as presenting the gospel. I wish I knew the, the end of that story. 
but I tell you what, when I see a, a broken saint of God, broken in soul because of wanting to have a relate, have a hot relationship with Christ again, that I can go in the strength of that food many days. <laughs> Amen. Amen. When I first got here, and this is probably the immaturity of a young man coming into a ministry with, uh, that he has no understanding of and just kind of get my feet under me. My first additional thought was, okay, my job is to get as many tracks printed per dollar as possible. And that sounds like a great goal, trying to, you know, quantity has a quality all its own. I don't know who said right. that. We probably don't, probably don't want to repeat who said that. I think it might have actually been Stalin, but <laughs> all I have to say. But so, so then I matured beyond that and, and, and in short order thought, okay, and this, understand this is not a crass business way to look at it, but maybe it's about salvations per dollar. How many people can we have saved as efficiently, as effectively as possible? Right. And then I thought about it some more. And I realized that really, in whatever term you want to use, but it's really more about how many disciples made, how many evangelists made per yeah. dollar. Because yeah. think about it this way. If it's about tracks per dollar and Bible tracks shuts down tomorrow, then our output, our legacy is dead right then and there because we're no longer pretty tracks. But if it's about making soul winners for the future and why I appreciate us trying to continue your legacy of investing in the ne next generation. If it's about investing in people, then Bible tracks could disappear off the face of the earth from Bloomington, Illinois forever. Yeah. But the people that have been disciples made will continue the legacy. And so I think that speaks to the strength of a Paul Levine and, and you carrying on that and us trying to shoulder that burden as well. I think that's very valuable. The, it, it is. Jesus knew he was not going to have a long-term ministry. Mm -hmm. So he invested in and he dumped the world on 11 men. He said to 11 men, go into all the world and make disciples. Um, Brother Micah, that means that you and I, when we preach, whether it's a church of 1,100 or 11 people, and I have preached in West mm -hmm. Virginia in a church of, a, of, a, of a 11 people. I was there at May number 12. But I am unashamed to turn to that group of people and say, you are responsible for the world because Jesus gave the world to 11 men. How can I help you pick up the burden that Christ has given to you and, and let's go and accomplish something for him? If we do that, like you say, Bible Tracks runs its course. I don't think it's anywhere near running its course. <laughs> uh, but, but if it does, if we leave a legacy of soul-winning people, then we, can, we will be able to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. That's, that's what Jesus left. He left a, a, a core of gospel-telling people. If we mimic Jesus in that, Brother Micah, I think we're, we've done good. We've done good. You're exactly right. Now, I, I don't want this thing to come to a close because I'm having too much fun. But one of the last questions I, I like to ask and, and on this platform, and you know, you'll be on 60, 70 different radio stations. Yeah. If you had one message, if you had one billboard, a, a paragraph oh. worth of text that you could speak to, and you have the opportunity, the, the listenership, possible listenership of this radio program is not small. What would you say encapsulated in just a few phrases? What would you say to those people? I would say this, and, and this is being born out of the fact that right now um, on Sunday mornings at my church, I'm preaching through the book of First Thessalonians. And 
chapters one and two, the apostle Paul says three times, remember, and what they're remembering is how he came and how the ministry there started. I would say to them, remember how you came to Christ. Remember that somebody told you, a mom, a dad, a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a youth pastor, a grandma, somebody, somebody, a next door neighbor lady, somebody told you, remember how the work of the gospel began in your life. Number two, remember the power of the word of God in your soul. Remember how it, uh, it, it uh, moved you to be saved, but then it works in those that believe. Again, that's a quote from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, but then every single chapter of uh, 1 Thessalonians talks about the coming of the Lord. I would say in that single paragraph, remember how it started for you. Number two, remember the power of the word of God in your life to be saved and help you grow. But then remember, Jesus is coming all this month for this series, we're singing the song, It Will Be Worth It All. When we see Amen. Jesus, uh, it's going to be worth it all. Keep in mind, Jesus is coming. It's going to be worth what we're doing. It's going to matter for eternity. Don't. It's too soon to stop doing gospel work yet. It's too soon yet. And even when we get to glory for all eternity, we're going to be singing a song. I read it in the book of Revelation. Brother Mike, I think it's going to be true. Mm -hmm. For all eternity, we're going to be singing a gospel song about the lamb slain. And maybe one time in, in eternity, it's going to be your turn to sing. And you get to sing about how the gospel song about your start in the gospel. And then it'll be my turn. Uh, I'm singing in bass. Uh, I'm not sure what, <laughs> what, 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 but but. We're, we're not going to be done talking about the gospel forever, mm. forever. Mm. So let's, it's too soon to start, stop talking about it now. Amen. So greatly appreciate that. And if we would encapsulate that, man, how revolutionized would our personal ministry be? Yeah. But how much would the world be? And I've realized, to go back to the power of the gospel being in the word, not the worker, the, the title of the thought at the time was something's missing. And the problem is, yes, it's missing from the world. It's missing from our churches. But the problem is it's missing from the man in the mirror. The person I look at when I don't have it, it affects everything. I think, oh, I'll butcher it. It was, it was Beethoven or Bach or Mozart, one of them. Uh, they said this, if I, if I don't practice for a day, speaking of the piano, yeah. I, I know it. If I don't practice for two days, then my friends know it. If I don't practice for three days, the world knows. Yeah. And it's so apparent. The world now knows. We look, you turn on the mainstream media, the world can tell that the gospel has been dimmed in our world. And we need to change that. And we have the opportunity. A great way to do that is practically through gospel tracks. I'm so excited about what the future holds. And if you have a last word, just talking about the legacy, and I think on the air right now, I need to hold you to the fact that we're going to do this again sometime in the future, <laughs> just strictly from the standpoint of the fact that I've greatly enjoyed this, but I know it will be an encouragement to many that are on. And I always appreciate when I talk to you, I can tell that there's the overflow of something you're studying always seems to come through in, in your speak in your manner of speaking. And I appreciate that. It's a, it shows a man that's in the book. And so on that note, any last words for those that might be listening to the loyal and faithful listeners and supporters of Bible tracks, but just in general to our radio audience. I am grateful for the friendship that the people on the radio 
gave to me. And I say to them, not only am I grateful, but I'm, I'm also urging them that the ministry of, of Bible Tracks Incorporated is, is growing. The ministry is strengthening. All I did was, was level the platform for you, Brother Micah, to come and build there on some plant, some water. God gives an increase, but my, I know my role. My role was, I'm grateful, but it's done. But now it's your role. And to the people that are listening, the, the, the power and the impact, the influence of Bible tracts around the world, it's just getting started. Become a part of it if you're not. Uh, do more for it if you can. Pray heartily about it daily. That would be what I would say. So greatly appreciate that. And your emphasis on the cause of Christ. I've, I, I, my goal would be to encapsulate that in part in my life. Actually, I'll ask for a double portion. I'll, I'll try to ask in faith, but I do greatly appreciate that. And Brother Smith, thank you so very much for your investment in me, your investment in Bible tracts, and investment for the cause of Christ. We will talk to you very soon, Lord willing, and we can get you back on a Zoom call here. Stick around for just a moment as we sign off. <laughs> 